and so I have no need. And obviously, the Lord didn't return tomorrow, and now they have need. And there, there's, you know, the need for instruction, obviously, as well as perhaps helping to some degree or not helping at all to help them in their learning process. We looked at Ecclesiastes uh, chapters 2 and 3 with uh, the idea of those that didn't have a willingness to work. And the the closing verses of those of, of it being good for a man to benefit from his labor. So you can look at those passages again. Uh, We looked at those who would rather steal than work. Uh, I'd rather just um, get my money from somebody else or take others' possessions to meet my needs. And certainly there are those with a mindset to that end. Um, Don't want to work because, or I can't work because of the way my attitude, whatever it is, Uh, So they have a need, and the way they meet that need is by taking from others a clear violation of the Eighth Commandment, which we are considering. A clear violation on that side relative to what we're looking at in our not giving out of the substance the blessings the Lord's blessed us with. So you have the... um, You have the difficulty there of those that are in that boat. And then we have those who, as we, I think we were kind of finishing up with this last week, those that are too lazy to work. We looked at the passage in Proverbs uh, chapter 10. Uh, They deal with a slack hand. They, They, you know, they'll work, then they won't work. They'll work a little bit but not overdoing it because it interferes with something else. Whatever it is, they just don't feel compelled to work. Uh, And again, um, do we then in turn help them by giving to them, right? They have a need. This is all in the context of people with needs and why they have the need. Then is it... We're looking at our obligation to help meet those needs. And this is just part of being careful and being wise and trying to be helpful to them in the process. You know, it's the person that comes and asks money and you say, I'll go buy you a meal. Because you fear that the money given to them might go for the wrong thing. But you're willing to help. Right? So you don't give them the money, but you go buy them a meal or provide them with food or whatever. All right. So we've got uh, those that are too lazy to work. Then I think the last couple of things, the passage in John chapter 6, um, those that are, that are wasteful, those that are wasteful and not being wasteful in John chapter 6. Uh, and if you look at verse 12... You'd be very familiar. This is one of the times where we have the feeding of the multitude by Christ. And in verse 12, he instructs his disciples when they were filled, he said unto his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain 
that nothing be lost. Now, we aren't told what happened to those fragments. We're not told why Christ told them to do this other than that nothing be lost. Um, you know, it's when I grew up, you, you, you ate what was on your plate. If you put it on your plate, you better eat it. And then if you, whatever was left, even if it was a little bit, just a little bit of leftovers in the, in the bowl or whatever, it went in the fridge. Nothing was thrown in the trash can. Nothing was scraped off. It, it, it was just because you learned, you know, money doesn't grow on trees. And this cost. And if we're being wasteful, but there's a need. Well, I just don't have enough to feed my family. Hmm. You know, if the trash can is half full of food, maybe that explains why you don't have enough to feed your family. And again, it's a teaching process. It's not, it's not to be critical so much as it is to be helpful. Look, have you considered? Have you thought about this? Start with smaller portions on the plate. I mean, sometimes just practical things that you think about. But if we think about it, that we're not to be wasteful. Then, again, if we're helping, that's one of the things we're looking at. And the next category is similar, similar. If you look at Proverbs 21, and I don't think we looked at this last week, but um, if we did, we'll look at it again today just briefly Proverbs 21 and get my fingers to work and while we're turning there by the way I should have um, thanked you for your your prayers and your thoughts week of prayer was a good week good week good seasons of prayer uh, we had a good time uh, most of the ministers of North America were there few of the elders or ruling elders um, and pretty much all of the ministers from Canada joined uh, via Zoom, so uh, we had a, a, a large number participating, um, and good seasons of prayer. Uh, so business meetings went well as well. We now have a licensed minister in the Dominican Republic. Our brother Ramon Sosa has finished his studies and was licensed uh, for the ministry. Um, and looking potentially to uh, establish a church there, to constitute his church. So pray for him. Pray, pray that the Lord will give him men. He's got um, 20, 25 people that come, but very few men. And I asked him about the, uh, I said, well, now, do you have the ladies that are coming? Do they have husbands at home? He said, no. They either are single widowed or divorced or separated. He said, I don't have a single lady whose husband is not attending, that, that has a husband that's not attending. But at the same time, out of the 25 or so people, he maybe only has five or so men. So just pray that the Lord will provide. That's, that's a need universally in all of our churches. So I would encourage you uh, in in um, 
as you think about it and as the Lord lays it on your heart. We pray for you here often in the prayer meeting, but do that uh, in your private times as well. But that the Lord will bless and use Raymond. Uh, good man. So, all right. Proverbs 21, verse 20. There is treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man spendeth it up. Right? Now, this is somebody that has something to spend. Right? Maybe working. Maybe working two jobs. But at the end of the day, it's all gone. You know, we get halfway through the month and we're out of money. So you, you then stop and you start looking, okay, why? What's it being spent on? Now, it may just be that the needs are that great. Somebody got sick in medicine or whatever. But it may be that when you start looking, uh, they're buying things they really don't need. Or they are paying for things that they could do without. Not that the things are necessarily so wrong, but they're very wrong if it's being spent for those as opposed to providing for the family. You know, I'd have real problems with a man who isn't providing food and clothing and shelter for his family, but they've got three TVs in the house and they've got whatever it is that 500 channels to pick from and the kids can spend hours looking at whatever, but very poorly fed. Now, again, if somebody's got that, I'm not saying that that's wrong in and of itself. It certainly could be that way very quickly, probably. But uh, at the same time, my point is, and, and I think the writer of Proverbs' point, is that we need to be wise and make sure we have provision, not only for today, but that we're, we're, we're laying up for tomorrow and the next day as we as we have need you know we, we've got enough we know we'll have enough money to buy groceries for the whole month and you don't spend for these other things you know don't have food to eat but we eat out three times a week and pay enough eating out once to buy groceries for the week if you eat very simply. So I, again, little thing, I'm not opposed to eating out. Nothing wrong with it, certainly. But there is if you're winding up short. Or, sometimes worse yet, if you are creating financial tension in the marriage and in the home. Foolish spending how do we meet our needs? And one of the, the couple, most likely, whoever it is, uh, that, that's paying the bills, starts feeling that pressure. How in the world 
am I going to pay these bills and we're going to have enough to eat this month? Right? Foolish spending. And again, we're talking about it in the context of, all right, if they say, oh man, I'd, I'd love... I'd love to be at church, but I just don't have enough money for gas in my car. Well, here, here, here's some money. Fill up your tank and come to church. Well, that certainly would be a good thing to do. I'd have no problem with that, and I doubt that any of you would. Next week, it's the same thing. And, and so you start, you know... Maybe could we sit down and talk and let me just see if we can help so you aren't meeting this problem week after week so that we can see why you don't have enough money? Because you know perhaps, I know they work. I know they've got a fairly good job, but foolish spending. So those are areas where we've got to be careful to wisely use what the Lord's given us to help our brethren, to help the poor, to help the widow, to help the orphan, to help the, the people we've seen that we are to help, to be wise in what we do. All right? Anybody, any questions, thoughts? Okay. All right. The next thing I want to think about is what our end goal is. So as you're looking and as we're thinking as the church, as the elders and deacons are using funds of the church, as you're using what the Lord's blessed you with, and so forth, what's our end goal? Why are you doing it? Just be nice, okay? It might be a perfect end goal. We'll talk about it. But that's, I want to see from Scripture what some of the end goals were. Okay? So, take a look at Acts chapter 3. Familiar scene. Acts chapter 3. Peter and John, temple, man lame, asking for help. Okay? And beginning with verse 1 of Acts chapter 3. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour, and a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. All right? So a man who has a disability, who can't work, at least that would be what I would take from, this, from, from our narrative here. And so he's a beggar. It's the way he has, the only way he has to meet his needs. And he's there. Who's seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asking alms? And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I none. And you know, there's plenty of times that we're in that same boat, aren't we? 
somebody's got a need, you, you recognize the need, your heart says, I want to do something. But you know there's nothing in your pocket to do anything with. And we've talked about this, that this is not purely a financial issue. And Peter and John illustrate that very well for us. The Lord illustrates it very well for us through Peter and John. All right? He gave heed unto them, verse 5, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. Again, we've talked about what that might be. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. So, Peter and John here, at the end of the day, even in what they gave, what do you note about what they said? What did they want to make sure that this man understood? What do you think? Look at it and see. Good, good. This isn't from us. This isn't because of us. We're doing this for the Lord. You need to understand that what you are about to receive is from the Lord. You share the gospel. Share the gospel. That's not necessarily always possible, but it certainly should be in the front of our minds as we try to help folks. You know, let me, I, I don't have money, but maybe I can help you find somebody or maybe we can figure out a way because, you know, I just want you to understand that I've had a lot done for me and I want to try to help you. you know, I had someone who died to take my place. To spare my life eternally. Certainly, I can take a few minutes and try to help you. That's not always possible. You can't always stop where you are. So again, I'm not suggesting that. But I am saying that we have before us two things. One, it doesn't have to be monetary means. And number two, we need to try to make sure that whoever we're doing it for understands what's motivating our heart. What's directing our heart? In fact, the obligation that God has given to us to share. Now what we're talking about in this Eighth Commandment? The obligation we have? What's been entrusted to us 
to potentially use for the benefit of others? You tell me. You tell me. What's been entrusted to you to use for the benefit of the others that's greater than the gospel? Can you think of anything? Can you think of anything you could share with somebody monetarily, you know, time, whatever it is, that would in any way compare to sharing the gospel? To letting them know that Christ died for the ungodly? Peter and John give us a good example. So one end goal, to share the gospel. To share the gospel. And perhaps that would be embodied in every end goal that we have here. But particularly if you're helping someone that you either don't know their spiritual condition or you know for certain they don't know the Lord. Obviously, if you're meeting the need of a Christian brother or sister that you at least have reason to believe, good reason to believe they know the Lord, then sharing the gospel, you know, you can, you can fellowship with them over it. Isn't it wonderful what the Lord's done for us? And now he's enabling us to help one another. You know, you, you certainly can rejoice in that. But sharing the gospel with the, the believer in the sense that we're talking about certainly wouldn't be necessary. Look at 1 Corinthians 13.3 for our next reason in goal. 1 Corinthians 13. And you'd recognize that chapter probably. That's the one that tells us a lot about what love is all about. But look at verse 3 to, that, that, that brings us to where we are. I mean, there are other things here, obviously. Uh, but verse 3, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, that's where we are. Okay, chapter, I mean, the Eighth Commandment. We're talking about helping others. Uh, and here, if I give everything I have to feed the poor... And then, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Now, Eighth Commandment, part of the Ten Commandments, Ten Commandments summarized in, as it were, two categories by the Lord. We are to love the Lord, our God, and to love our love our neighbor. Okay? Love our neighbor. So our end goal in what we do is to express that love. To show that love. And if we aren't, what are we told? If if there's not love in this act. What does it say? It profits me nothing. Nothing. Profits the other person. You've helped them out. But from the, again, we get back to some of the earlier things that we've considered and, and what, what we, what our obligation as Christians are. And 
all of it, and, and 1 Corinthians sums it up. You know, if I don't have love, if I don't have love, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, if I could say that the best things, Question. You give the gospel to somebody because you feel that's your obligation. But you aren't really enjoying it. Does it profit you anything? If you aren't sharing the gospel, I would suggest to you, out of a heart of love for the souls of lost and dying men and women, it's not profiting you anything. The Lord may use it. The Lord may use it. But the Lord wants that to come from a heart of love. You know, we talked about in, in a lot of these, we, we have to look at our own heart, don't we, before we start doing any of this. What's motivating us to keep these commandments? Obedience? Well, certainly, if that's the only thing that's motivating you, I'm glad at least you're being motivated to keep the commandments. But a love to God? God is first. Remember our, our word for the first commandment, our, our focus? No other gods before God. Because I love him. Or is it because, well, that's what he told me I had to do. I hope there's love in there. And that would be true in this. So, out of showing love, look at 2 Corinthians um, chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And verse 24. Now, we're going to kind of deal with this a little bit more as to how we accomplish our giving. But uh, this verse makes the point that we're dealing with here. Wherefore, show ye to them and before the churches the proof of what? What does it say? The proof of your love. Show the proof of your love. Show the proof of your love. And of our boasting on your behalf. Now, and we'll see, this has to do with a church, churches, having an offering and helping other saints. All right, in another church. But my point, and I, I think you've got it here, show them the proof that you're conscious of their needs. Now, that's not what it says good to be conscious of their needs but he says show them the proof of what's driving the consciousness 
of their need, at least hopefully, what's driving it. Show them the proof of your love. I love you in the Lord. We can say that real easy, can't we? The Lord, through the word, says, fine. Make sure there's proof of it that can be seen, that can be felt. Right? Show them the proof of your love. So one of our end goals is to show the proof of our love. Our love for their soul. Our love for our brethren in the Lord. Our love for our neighbor. We consider it even our love for our enemies. Another one. Turn to Acts chapter 4. And as we go through these, you can be thinking. You may have other end goals in mind that you can share with us when we're when we're done and if if mine haven't en- encompassed yours certainly i don't necessarily have all the end goals in in mind but i'm just trying to share with you ones that i see in scripture acts chapter 4 verse 34 again familiar passage the early church neither was there any Acts 4.34, Neither was there any among them that lacked. For as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, and brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. One of the end goals we see from this passage is to do what? What do you think? What are they, what are they trying to accomplish? Meeting the needs of people. What people? Yeah, in this case, this particular goal here is to have wherewithal to meet the needs of people in the church. Now remember, early church, you became a Christian same way it is in places in the world today. You become a Christian, you're not my child anymore. The whole community stops patronizing your, your, your shop. No, we won't buy a tent from you. No, we won't buy sandals from you. No, we won't share with you. No, we won't let you even glean in our fields. It meant something. It cost. And they realized it. And some of them that had means said, you know what? I want to make sure. So they brought it to the church to let the church discern who had the needs. All right? So to, we, are, we are basically, and the term I put on this is 
to advance the church. Things like this, the early reputation of the church was what? How they loved, how they loved, they showed their love. How they loved one another. You know, did you have a chance to do it? Whether it's individually or you see the church and, and you're giving to the church and the church is doing it. I trust it, it gives you a, a good feeling in your heart. There's just something about it that makes you feel good. And I think that's simply one of the blessings the Lord, Lord gives. It's just, you know, good. Well done. You know, I think we get the well done, thou good and faithful servant at times while we're here on earth. Just that knowledge, the spirit, ministering to our spirit, that's good. That's good. Advancing the church. Uh, if you look at chapter 6, and again, uh, one that we've looked at before, uh, verse 1, In those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews, because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Isn't that something, too? We, we, we see here in the church... We have Grecians and Hebrews. So the Lord's already done something here. All right. He brought together people who are not inclined to be kind one to another, much less joining together. But the work of the gospel has united them in Christ. But now, okay, wait a minute. Things aren't being done we, we don't think we're getting a fair share. And that can happen. Sometimes just out of what I'm going to call somewhat natural bias, that is, you grow up and you grow up with certain thoughts. And if you're around a group of people, that's, that's where your focus is. But as the church takes in people from all walks of life, takes in people with all kinds of backgrounds, sometimes our, our mindset just doesn't expand with it. And we're still kind of... And it's good to be reminded, as they were, and say, you know what they did? I mean, it's a beautiful working of the church, isn't it? Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples and said, All right, we're not getting the job done here. It's just too much to get done. And we need help because we don't want anybody lacking. We don't want to be showing a bias here. And we're not trying to necessarily. But if it appears that way, or if in reality it's happening that way, we need to do something. So the church and the leaders of the church didn't get on the defense here. Ah, wait a minute. Y'all are just being super critical. You know, who are you? We're the, we're the top people here. You know, you don't think we're capable of doing our job? You want to, you know, 
all the kind of reactions we get humanly? No. They took the criticism to heart, and they did something about it. And you, you've got uh, the response there, and then um, in verse 7 of that same chapter, now you've got they, 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 they select the, just, uh, the um, men to do the work and, and all. And then verse uh, 7, and the word of God increased. And the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And, and again, I, I, I read this, and I don't know. I, I, I mean, I've seen it, read the, the verse. But isn't this wonderful? And a great company of the priest were converted. A great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Why? In part? What's the implication of where we are? What was one of the things, maybe the thing, that the Lord used to bring this great company of priests to be obedient to the faith? What did they see? What did they see? Jordan? Yeah, Jordan, the, the, the effectiveness of what the church was doing. To summarize it on down, they saw the love that permeated the work of the church. They saw how they cared. For one another. They saw how needs were being met. They weren't being met out of the local synagogue. In a great company, be interesting to know how many, but a great company, for the scripture to say a great company, I got to believe that there were more than just a few. The Lord doing a work, even among the religious, the religious leaders. The mark of the Christian faith, and we've said it, I've said it before, the mark of Christianity above all other religions is that we put we esteem others better than ourselves. At least we should. The mark of Christians considering others ahead of self. What can I do for you? Wonderful, wonderful opportunity. And a good mindset. Because when you start thinking, what can I do for others? You start looking for ways to do it. When something comes across your path, you're more likely to say, yes, let me help you. Instead of walking on by, 
I don't have time. And you, again, you won't always have time. You won't always have silver and gold in your pocket. Okay? But, and you may not be able to do anything other than maybe say, you know what? I know somebody, let me see if maybe they can do something for you. And you may just make a phone call. I got a good friend that's a mechanic. Let me call him and see if he can tell me what's wrong with your car. And you call your friend, he says, yeah, you forgot to put the key in the ignition. <laughs> you know, sometimes it seems like it's, yeah, you got it in part? Oh, no. <laughs> Won't start. Uh, so anyway, uh, but it may be obviously much more complicated, but boom, there's a, at least some solution just because you made, took time to make a phone call. What? Can't be that late already. All right. To advance the church, Deuteronomy 15.15, look at that real quick. Because we've seen this, so I'm not going to. Deuteronomy 15, 15. We looked at this when we were looking at being mindful of what the Lord giving to us to, to do something. And, and verse 15 of chapter 15 in Deuteronomy. And thou shalt remember that thou wast a bondman in the land of Egypt, and the Lord thy God redeemed thee. Therefore, I command thee this thing today. And, and Leviticus had the same thing, and, and Deuteronomy repeats it. You do it to remember, or you do it in remembering what the Lord has done for you. It makes you stop and think about how blessed you are to be saved, to do, to be able to do. So you do it to consider what's happened. You do it in obedience. 1 Timothy 6, 17 and 18. And you may do it simply to meet a need. And we'll start with that next week. That's uh, Luke chapter 10. The Good Samaritan. If you have time, I want you to look at that passage. In Luke 10, verse 25 through 37. Look at that passage and just kind of think about, all right, so what did the Good Samaritan give? What did he give? Okay? And be mindful. Samaritans and Jews were bitter enemies. So, kind of goes back. But we'll talk about it more next week. All right, I'm out of time, so let's close in prayer. Father, again, we are grateful to you for the blessings you give us. Lord, speak to our hearts. Lord, we thank you for all you've done for us. You've given us all that our soul has need of in Christ, our Savior. But Lord, you didn't just stop with him, if I can say it reverently. Lord, you give us with him, freely, all things of which we have need. Lord, how blessed we are to have Christ as our Savior and our elder brother, to have God, the Creator, as our Heavenly Father. 
Lord, help us this day to praise Thee, to worship Thee, to bless Thee for Thy goodness to us, to our families, to our church, to our community. Lord, a lot of things wrong, a lot of things wrong in all these, even in our own heart. But yet, Lord, you've been good to us and continue to be good to us. May we ever be mindful of thy goodness to us and then to be mindful of the opportunities that you give us to be kind and good to others. Bless us now in the remainder of this thy day, for we pray it in Christ's name. Amen.